Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello and welcome to the Women in Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel and I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, a company that specializes in mergers and acquisitions nationally within the manufacturing sectors, and I'm your host for today's show. Today, we welcome to the show Catherine Kelly. Catherine is the executive director of the Ohio Manufacturing Institute with more than 20 years of experience in industry-oriented higher education. She collaborates with state and national partners to develop regional and national public policy to support manufacturing innovation and advocate for small and medium-sized manufacturing needs. Catherine is known for action-provoking reports on advanced manufacturing trends, workforce development, and disruptive technology. Catherine, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Fran. I appreciate being here. Great. So, Catherine, what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is introduce our listeners to the Ohio Manufacturing Institute, giving us a little flavor of what their purpose is, and what you do within the organization. Of course. Uh, we are a, uh, an institute uh, at the College of Engineering at The Ohio State University, very outwardly focused, as you, you mentioned in the intro. Uh, we work with industry, uh, government, and other university partners trying to remove those barriers to find solutions for the manufacturing supply chains, uh, you know, for their technical and their workforce challenges. Uh, we work really closely with the Ohio Manufacturing Extension Partnership, as well as the, the national uh, MEP affiliates. Uh, we work with the Ohio Manufacturers Association here in the state. Um, you know, Ohio is the third largest manufacturing state behind uh, California and Texas in terms of its GDP and workforce. So uh, a lot of the work we do is to develop that uh, ecosystem, especially for small and mid-sized manufacturers. Um, small and mid-sized manufacturers make up about 96% of uh, Ohio's manufacturing firms. Of, you know, so we're talking, well, we're talking about 250 workers or less is 96%. And then about 90% are, are, uh, are 100 workers or less. So uh, so that is definitely important to to keep the uh, that ecosystem strong, and uh, and so we we try to uh, align industries and academic institutions, uh, tech support organizations, and government, uh, you know, to uh, bolster that supply chain. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you're giving some stats on the size of manufacturing companies within the state of Ohio, but that trend goes nationally, where a majority of them are smaller companies. And I don't think most of America realizes that, um, you know, a lot of them have, you know, as you're saying, less than 100 employees, many of them, you'd be surprised to learn how many are under 20 employees. It's amazing. And they're, you know, this is companies that are building our nation's infrastructure and, and medical devices and, and airplane aerospace components and so forth. So, um, you know, as your uh, organization works to um, address the needs of small and medium-sized manufacturers. How do you find out what those are? 
We listen a lot. We have a lot of listening sessions uh, with, with, uh, and in particular, um, one example uh, is that we were contracted by NIST MEP uh, to conduct, uh, and actually I have to um, highlight uh, my colleague, Ned Hill, who is a manufacturing economist here at Ohio State. He served on the NIST MEP board for a while. So, uh, so he and, and our team uh, listened to, uh, we had 11 listening sessions with leaders of small to mid-size manufacturing companies representing 27 states. And we shared, uh, they shared with us you know, how the events of, you know, related to COVID had affected and impacted their businesses, you know, what kept them up at night, and even some success stories on, on what happened uh, during this time period and some new avenues uh, and new revenue streams that they, they, they started to pursue that, that turned out to be profitable for them. Sure. Yeah, there's COVID surely had an impact, um, a lot of negative impact on manufacturers, um, but some of them absolutely thrived. Mm -hmm. So um, as you as you have these sessions with manufacturers to learn what's keeping them up at night, tell us what's keeping them up at night. What are the challenges that they are facing, both in Ohio and nationally? Um, what are you seeing out there? Well, I, as you know, the number one issue is workforce, and that is a perennial challenge for manufacturers to find skilled workforce. And uh, you know, they uh, and especially when you added on what happened this past year, you know, there was a lot of concern about their existing workforce, the health, and you know, how do they communicate with their team? You know, what is happening uh, externally to the the firm? You know, they. You know, how do they keep their workers safe, implement cleaning regimens, you know, source protective materials, respond to public health protocols, uh, you know, that that exacerbated the situation. But those long term issues with workforce is number one. Supply chain issues were exacerbated. You know, they you know, they had to, to find out where they could source product at, the, at a time. And that was the number one thing that came out of our national conversations was the disruption in the supply chain. And, you know, they, they, they had to learn from that pandemic and induced supply chain shock, you know, to adapt to what, what they call the current, not the new normal, but the current normal. And, you know, they, they had a backlog internally. They had a backlog with customers, um, you know, even, um, you know, keeping more inventory than usual, which went against their lean principles, you know, uh, you know, sourcing. They had to source more quickly. They had to watch their lead times. You know the you know they really had to make more investment to um, improve their supply chain reliability. So some of that was locally sourcing, some of that was resourcing. You know the, uh, we had one um, uh, manufacturer who develops um, additions to pinball games and amusement games, and so they ended up uh, using three D printing more. You know the added to manufacturing, um, so they they leapt into that. Some of them invested in automation, uh, so you know they 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 had to deal with the immediate, but they also were having to plan for those long term strategies. Sure, yeah, the supply chain continues to be an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say even more so than it was last year during COVID. Right now, what we're seeing is manufacturing is booming around the nation, and the pent up demand is causing supply chain issues all over the country. 
So you also, you're, you're touching on um, how some people have addressed those issues, so sourcing locally and different technologies. So that's a kind of a great segue because I'm guessing that um, preparing for uh, technology changes is likely also something that is of concern to small to medium manufacturers. Yes. Speak um, into that a little bit if you can. Yes, we've been doing a lot of work in this area. Uh, we have a, a grant to um, to determine uh, an approach that the MEP affiliates can use to um, to support companies in this uh, as they become more digitally integrated. Um, you know, a lot of the um, you know a, a lot of the talk about Industry 4.0, uh, quite frankly, is a lot of talk sometimes. And you know, especially small and mid-sized firms, they they don't know what approach they should take. There's a myriad of approaches. And, uh, you know, the title of one of our last presentations at, at, a, at a local uh, local virtual summit a couple of weeks ago, uh, we started out with the title Lies, Damn Lies and Consultants, because, you know, they're being <laughs> so, sometimes they're being sold a bill of goods and they're trying to determine what's the best practices that they can use. Uh, we're working with the MPI group to develop a di digital maturity assessment that will be used, uh, especially in the next year, locally in Ohio, but will expand nationally, uh, where uh, the, the, uh, the team at each of the firms can come together and make some decisions on what they need on a systems-wide perspective. Because a lot of times when technology is brought into a firm, it's these one-off projects. So we're trying to make it more cohesive you know, and, and make it so that it, it fits within the company. And a lot of times the issue isn't necessarily a technical issue. It's, it's a management issue. It's, it's coming up with that, you know, that, you know, operational excellence, the continuous improvement pathway, you know, and then fitting in the technology based on what the goal should be. Sure. Yeah. You and I talked about this last time. There has to be a certain level of organization within a manufacturing company in order to layer technology on top of that and have the best benefit. And often, I think I, I use the term people trying to uh, add technology on top of chaos and it just doesn't work. Right? Yes. Yes. So, and I... Yeah, there is there is an incredible need so for the addition of technology, but you you have to have an underlying understanding. Um, I'm going to say ISO principles, right? At a yes. level of organization, otherwise you're wasting your money. So it sounds like you're what this program is going to be doing is vetting some of these technologies that are tr people are trying to sell to manufacturers nationally. Is that what you're doing? Well, first we have to go internally and 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 ask them questions about you know what does what is well culture questions what you know how are things working. Uh, we're really focusing on uh, uh, the relationship be between their information technology, so their ERP systems. You know, that's more yeah. the administrative system with the operations technologies. And so we we see Industry 4.0 uh, and the next level of operations technology, what which we're calling Operations Technology 5.0. It's really uh, you know uh, synthesizing the the ERP systems, the Internet of Things, with what happens on the factory floor. 
and uh, and getting the IT. We said that one of the most simplest things you could do is to get the IT and the OT staff together to start talking to each other. Yeah, that's great. I I'll tell you, um, you know, working nationally with small to mid sized manufacturers, we see everything. We see chaos, and then we see people who are really embracing new technologies. We have we have one client in the Midwest who um, introduced several years ago robotics into um, their manufacturing process. And they have increased efficiency by 87% with 18% fewer employees. And so, I mean, this is a conversation that, you know, manufacturers are struggling nationally with the skills gap, um, with getting qualified workers. Some of, some of it, not all of it, some of it can be solved through technology if they embrace it, right? Right, right. Some of it can. Um, You know, I think, um, you know, what we've been looking at in terms of the workforce is um, we've divided it up into um, the immediate, the immediate and looming and the important. Uh, We have, uh, you know, that immediate need for the, you know, semi-skilled production workers, the machine tenders, you know, the crisis that you have a revolving door of low-wage workers that are trained, you know, within a day or a week, you know, they show up, they follow instructions, they tend to automate the systems. Those are actually that level that is most likely to be automated themselves. Uh, And then you have, yes, and then you have skilled machinists, and those are the traditional skilled manufacturing occupations. I mean, those are going to remain constant, the, you know, the machinists, the tool and die. Um, And then you have immediate and looming, you know, when we're looking at the silver tsunami of of retirements, you know, that, uh, you know, we have a a lot of issues with, with, uh, with, with a lot of, of, uh, you know, the workforce leaving and, uh, and, and on that immediate and looming, you know, you have the industrial maintenance technicians, you know, what, what in Europe they call megatronics and they're trained at the technical schools. They have equipment provider certifications, uh, or even associates level. And, you know, they keep the production line up and, and going, but there is a real need an important need. And it, it's much more, uh, I think a lot of, it, it's not immediate. So that it isn't at the forefront but what we're going to see and what we're already seeing is an issue with applied manufacturing engineers and manufacturing leaders. Uh, there's been maybe a couple of decades of disinvestment by the, the leaders in manufacturing of, of grooming these individuals uh, that, that understand production. They have soft skills. They know how to make a decision. And they're the, the, the factory leaders and the engineering production managers that are going to make those decisions about those advanced manufacturing technologies you know, and integrate those mm-hmm. solutions that are going to be used by the production workers on the factory floor. Right. Yeah. So your uh, organization, there's a there's a new bachelor's degree. Yes. Is there not that kind of addresses having a more holistic human being heading up a manufacturing company? Talk to us about that a little bit. Yes, so we're really excited about this program. Uh, we we developed it through uh, the research we conducted on the engineering technology skills that are needed in the future. 
And, uh, and so at Ohio State, uh, we have, uh, we started in uh, autumn 2020 with our first class. Uh, it's set up at the regional campuses, which are placed in communities with strong manufacturing presence. It's also designed because we have a relationship with the co-located community colleges and the technical centers nearby, you know, that have the equipment that the students can use. I mean, what we're really trying to do is connect uh, students' heads to their hands and really focus on that applied learning, you know, where they're, they're learning the mills and the lathes, you know, and the machines, but then they understand the business concepts, they understand, you know, continuous improvement. And so we're, we're developing a round, a well-rounded manufacturing engineering technologist that can be, uh, that, that can basically, you know, start working from day one. What we, we heard from manufacturers, they complained about the traditional four-year engineering degree and that they ended up having to train the students when they graduate for one or two years before they were actually useful on the production floor. So we're, we're definitely trying to counter that. Yeah. I love the idea, too, of they're not just being trained uh, in, on manufacturing, but they're being trained in business. Because so often, I think many of the retiring generation of manufacturers, you know, you're a great widget maker, but you only built the business to a certain level because you didn't have the business side of the training. And I, th- I just think there's such a need for that. Yes, I'd love I, to see it nationally. So yes. if someone, Catherine, is listening to this, a manu- small to medium sized manufacturer, and they're saying, okay, I don't have the level of organization that these ladies are talking about. Um, and I do recognize that there are emerging technologies that I'm going to have to invest in eventually, but I do not know where to begin. What should they do? Well, my obvious answer is if they're a small and mid-sized firm is to reach out to their local manufacturing extension partnership. They have a presence in, in all 50 states in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, they do have those, uh, you know, the the, uh, the consultants that can, and, and they're also state and federally funded. Um, so what I would recommend is that they go to their local manufacturing extension partnership. Uh, you know, those uh, affiliates are available in uh, all 50 states, uh, including Puerto Rico. What they really are there for is to offer those basic big business skills. They, they, can, they can help uh, manufacturers with the Lean Six Sigma. They can help them with budgeting, with marketing, and even moving on to uh, to some of the technology needs that you know they have. They usually have either engineering firms on staff, or you know, um, they they have consultants you know that they can bring in based on what the needs of the man. But I, I think the the great thing about MEPs is that they they have that front end service where they they really try to assess what the issues are first before they they move on to you know what the potential solutions might be. Yeah. The MEP is just a wonderful organization. Anytime we sell a manufacturing company, no matter what state we're in, we always refer the buyer to their state MEP. Um, oftentimes the company that they bought is, is not ISO certified or not AS9100. And so we refer them to the MEP um, to help navigate that process for them. I'm shocked at how many people don't know that this organization exists. It's amazing. 
It is. I, I, I really, um, it, I am with you because I, I they are just a, a, a fabulous group of affiliates. I've met a number of them from, um, you know, I even worked with uh, Purdue and, uh, and I've spoken to a number of the MEP directors around the country and they are really incredibly service oriented. Um, just, I, I can't, I can't think of a better organization that is there. And the fact that they are underutilized yeah, is, is amazing. Yeah. So, Hey, I want to spend some time before we run out of time talking about women in manufacturing. Um, tell us ab- about women in manufacturing. I know that you um, have looked at some statistics of women in the workplace um, and in leadership. Speak into that a little bit if you can. Of course, one of my favorite topics uh, is uh, you know talking about the women leadership in manufacturing and uh, you know, we have a ways to go, but I, I think we, you know, we, we have made some strides with representation of women in the manufacturing workplace. Um, you know, we, we have my, the statistics that I, I mentioned to you uh, earlier is that, uh, you know, while women make up 47% of the U.S. workforce, you know, 52% of all professionals and managers, only 29% of the manufacturing workforce and 5% of manufacturing CEOs are women, you know, they're, there are a lot of issues with retention. A lot of that has to do with the organizational climate. I looked at a um, study of, uh, of engineers in manufacturing, women engineers, and you know, uh, 30% uh, blame the culture when they leave, and 30% of, of them leave so uh, within the first 10 years. And, and so there is an issue, um, you know, but I think if, uh, if we can find a way to remove the barriers and, and raise some more awareness. And a lot of companies are moving toward that. There's some that, uh, you know, get gold stars for what they're doing um, to increase the, 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 the leadership ranks, you know, to, to, um, you know, to represent, uh, you know, to, to include more women. Um, you know, they, uh, I, I think of P&G, Procter & Gamble, they have a, a women's accelerator program, uh, you know, 35% of their uh, employees are being considered uh, with with uh, within the company's succession plan. Uh, they're women. Thirty percent of P and G's uh, executives are women. Uh, Rockwell Automation has uh, a really good program. Uh, you know, culture of inclusion journey with senior leaders. Um, in fact, their representation of uh, women in, at senior senior leadership levels doubled uh, from 2008 to 2016, uh, from 11 percent to 25 percent. And um, wow. Yes. And, and Stanley Black & Decker is another company that I think is doing a really great job. They're a top 100 company for millennial women. Um, you know, they, they, their makerspace that they have in, in, uh, in Northeast U.S. is run by a woman. I mean, they're, they're, uh, I, I love their, their line related to this. It, it, you know, the, uh, when I interviewed uh, one of their, um, their top engineers, you know, he said, uh, a brain is a brain. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So the statistic that I find most disturbing is um, not the overall in the workplace, but the five, only 5% are CEOs. That's the component that I think needs to change. Um, I would love to see change. If you look at that 5%, understanding that most manufacturing companies are smaller, many of the women in those CEO positions are second or third gen 
Yes. So they, they're not people that started the company or acquired the company. They're, they're at the head of a company because they were part of a family. Some of them, and I've interviewed several of them around the, com- around the country, and they're doing absolutely fabulous jobs. But, you know, you talk about women leaving um, manufacturing and engineering positions because of a culture. Okay, create your own. Go sure. acquire a company. And, you know, I have been selling manufacturing companies for 27 years. I've never sold one to a woman. I want to see that change because women at the head of a company, um, they're oftentimes more intuitive than a man, um, you know, not to put the guys down, love the guys. Um, but the women, the women that I've seen that are heading manufacturing companies have done fascinating and amazing things with them, pulling the business up into the next level, adding different technologies, doing workforce development that their predecessors never did. Women are fabulous in CEO roles of manufacturing companies, but they're not acquiring them. And this is, if any woman is listening and they have had, they have, they have been um, uh, upset by a, a culture um, they should consider acquiring their own company. There's, you, we talk about all the time in my organization, you said it before, there's a silver tsunami and there is. And the problem is that the level of management underneath that silver tsunami cannot, there's a whole gap. They cannot take over those companies and make them survive and grow them. People have to come out of corporate America and make those acquisitions in order for small manufacturing to survive in America. And women should consider these acquisitions. Right. And I even think it starts earlier than that. I have worked with some amazing women, women engineers that have gone on into manufacturing and they are confident, they're bright, they're completely the, the most talented people I've worked with. And that, you know, I, I think, you know, building those, and I think companies are realizing that they absolutely have to have diversity in the workplace in order, uh, you know, for them to thrive. And so I, I see a lot of, of need. For, and that's why we, you know, one of my personal agendas with this bachelor's degree in engineering technology is to develop it so that you know, women are excited to pursue this type of degree and enter into a manufacturing workplace. And, you know, a lot of that's done through project-based learning, but in other, it's, it's develop, give, giving them a community in which they, they can, can thrive. Wonderful. So we are starting to run out of time. Uh, before I let you go, I would like you to tell our listeners if they'd like to learn more about the Ohio Manufacturing Institute, how do they reach out? It's very simple. Uh, the website is uh, omi.osu.edu. Uh, you'll find a number of our roadmaps. You'll find some information about the bachelor's degree in engineering technology and, and some, some other projects in which we are working on a constant basis with manufacturers. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for all you do to help small and medium manufacturers. 
it's it is so needed and so appreciated. It's so been a, thank you. It's been a real it's definitely been a pleasure, Fran. Thank you. I'd like to encourage our listeners to visit whampodcast.com where you could listen to all of our shows and other manufacturing podcasts brought to you by the Jacket Media Company. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for joining the Wham! Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.